0: More people have left the church in the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusades combined. Hello, and welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. This is a quote from a book called The Great Dechurching that Chris Stu shared today. As we wrap up our series through the book of James, Chris shares that we all know someone who has wandered away from the church, but instead of simply accepting that, We should instead be pursuing the person who has wandered away from the church, just like Jesus pursues the lost sheep that wandered away from the flock. Here's Chris.
1: What is up, church family? How y'all doing this morning? You good? I feel good this morning uh, because I actually slept last night uh because i have a little girl at home who's 3 months old and haven't slept in a while but uh glad that i slept in a hotel last night here and i'm ready to go this morning so i hope you're ready to listen because i'm ready to preach is that cool Woo-hoo! all right well hey i'm glad y'all are here it's always an honor uh, to be here in this incredible church family um I love this church. I love you guys, and I'm glad to be here. But if you would, uh, let's pray together, and then we'll jump into the Scripture. Heavenly Father, we're here to encounter you. We want to hear from your word, your truth, and your heart. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would You pour Yourself out into all of our hearts and minds? We want to experience You and hear from You and leave changed. We love You, Jesus. pray all this in Your name. Amen. There's a uh, stat I heard recently uh, that in the past 25 years, Forty million people in America have left the church. Forty million people who are in America, who had been going to church at one time and were in it and, and uh, all up in the church, and now have left. That's a massive number. To place that in context, uh, here's another quote from the same study. Uh, They explain that more people have left the church over the last 25 years than all the new people who became Christians in the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, and all of the crusades from Billy Graham combined. This is a mass exodus in America from the church. Yet it's easy to look at those stats and just think, okay, well, those are stats out there somewhere. But I want you to pause real quick. And and who is in your life who was here, but isn't here anymore? Who was in the church, yet is not here anymore? And I don't mean they just kind of went down to another church down the street. I mean, like they were in Christ, rooted in the church, and now they're like, man, I I don't have time for that, or I don't want to go to that. Because if I'm honest, like, I've wrestled with, how do I handle that? Like, how do I care for people who have left the church? And here's our question that we're going to try to get our minds around today that James is going to help us answer. What do we do about people leaving the church and even walking away from Jesus. As the church, what do we do about people leaving the church and even walking away from Jesus? And if you have a Bible, uh, let's flip open now to the end of the book of James. The last two verses. I've enjoyed James. Anybody else enjoy James? I feel like every time I read James, it's like, gosh, I need to repent of 12 things. Every single time I'm like, I'm doing pretty good in my Christian life. And then I read James and I'm like, am I a Christian? (laughs) Except it's helpful to hear some of that sometimes because it hits us in places where we need to grow. But here's the last two verses. Here's what James says. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All the way through the book of James, he's addressing a type of Christianity that really isn't Christianity at all. He's addressing a type of Christianity that claims, hey, I prayed a prayer one time and now I'm good. I can live however I want. He's addressing a kind of Christianity uh, that says, I walked an aisle when I was three and therefore I don't really follow Jesus, yet I've got my fire insurance. And he closes the book, after all those convicting chapters of how to use your words and 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 um, have heavenly wisdom and all kinds of things, he closes his entire letter encouraging you and I to love one another. He's encouraging you and I that, hey, if... Someone wanders from the truth of Jesus and his ways. It's your responsibility and mine to help them come home again. And so here's our question. What do we do about people leaving the church and even walking away from Jesus? And here's our main point if you're taking notes. Love compels us to pursue the wanderer. Love compels us to pursue the wanderer. And so now, that uh, we're going to jump into a three-point message uh, that it helps teach this, and, and it's framed up as one movie, one song, and an act of true love. It's a movie, it's a song, and an act of true love. And so first, it's a movie. Now, I remember eight years ago, uh, when I started coming to the vineyard and preaching, I would use all kind of cool analogies like UFC and CrossFit and espresso, like straight shots of espresso for breakfast. Like I would use these great analogies uh, that were kind of rough and kind of manly. And now, I'm going to talk about Frozen. (laughs) I've had some girls. And all the analogies, like when I'm prepping a message, uh, that oftentimes I'm like, "Hey God, would you please speak into this? Like, would you please allow me to have like illustrations that connect?" And I had watched Frozen so many dang times over the past year <laughs> that as I prepped this message, the only thing that came to mind was Frozen. And so, if you haven't seen Frozen, watch it tonight. Who has watched Frozen before? Is anybody aware of Frozen? All right. Who has never watched Frozen in your entire life? Bless you three people. <laughs> Watch it tonight, and I promise this message will make more sense. But anyways, it's a movie. And what happens in Frozen is that there's this princess named Elsa. Love Elsa. Elsa. The issue with Elsa, though, is that she has this power that freezes things. And as a small child, she's like, I don't know how to control this. And so her parents lock her up in her room. And so Princess Elsa has this power, is in her room, is hidden. Her parents pass away, really sad. And uh, the Elsa is about uh, to become queen. And it's her coronation day. And there's lots of great songs that come to mind with every part in this movie, which are probably going to be in your head after this message. But on Coronation Day, her little Princess Anna sister um, has an encounter with Prince Hans. And so Prince Hans is an evil dude. He's no good, except Anna and Hans want to get married. Like, just met, wouldn't advise that, all the young people in the room. Like, you don't marry the person that you just meet because he may be evil, okay? Thank you, Frozen, for the theological exposition that you give us this morning, right? But Anna's like, hey, I want to marry Hans. And Elsa freaks out, freezes all this stuff, and then everyone's aware of her power. And then in that moment, sweet Princess Elsa runs away from her home runs away from the castle, away from everything that she knows, and hides away on a mountain. And so in this moment, you're like, okay, what's going to happen? This is so sad. Like, what could happen? And Princess Anna's like, I'll go. I'll go and rescue her. I'll leave the comforts of this kingdom, and I will run after Princess Elsa. You see, it fits. It definitely fits the preach. And this is what James is calling you and I to do. As people leave the church, he's saying, hey, if anyone will wander from the truth, it's your responsibility and mine in order to run after them. Love compels us to pursue the wanderer. He's explaining that you and I as the people of God, as the church, are responsible for the spiritual health of our friends in the church. We are called to hold each other accountable. That we flew in last night to Pittsburgh and had about an hour drive. And I was pretty tired, I'll be honest. And so a few times that I'm driving on the highway, I kind of veered off just a tad. And I heard all the rumble strips on the side of the highway. It's like, oh, yes, I need to get back on the path that I'm supposed to be on. And then I'd veer off again, and it would alert me. This is what we're called to be as the body of Christ. Spiritual rumble strips for each other. As a friend or a person in our life group veers off of the way of Jesus, we're called very gently and lovingly, but truthfully, to say, hey, that, that's actually not on the path of Jesus and to operate as spiritual rumble strips for each other. But I was wondering, like, why don't we do this anymore? Because right? this is very clear in Scripture. Like, we're called to hold each other accountable. Why don't we do this anymore? And I think it's because we have this view of um, spirituality or life in general, of you do you, boo-boo, has anybody ever heard of this mentality of, you do you, boo-boo? It's like, hey, I don't have any right uh, to hold you accountable about anything. You do you and I'll do me. And then if you come back, yeah, I'll, I'll help you, but you do you. It's a lack of accountability that has in our minds that I don't have any right but to hold you accountable. I remember uh, when I was a little kid uh, that I would have run away from home quite often. And uh, that would be mad at my parents, and I'm like, I'm packing a bag, I'm packing one toy, and I'm leaving. And I would pack it all up, and I'd bring Fluffy, and I'd, I'd have it in the bag, and I'd run up the street. And a few minutes later, here would come my sweet dad in his car, his old Jeep, I remember it. And he'd say, hop in, my son. And I knew he was gonna come get me. Like, I knew he loves me too much to let me at eight years old leave on my own and be homeless for a while. I knew my dad was coming. And we had a lot of flaws in our home and in our family, but that was one thing that helped to create a culture of health and love in our family. And how beautiful would it be if we had a church like that? And everybody here knew that, hey, if I was gone for a few weeks, man, I know that there'd be some people who are like, where? Jimmy this sits right there. And they would come and get me. How beautiful would it be of that we were part of a spiritual family clothed in grace. Uh, that we would be here as our true broken selves. Speaking our flaws to each other and being a catalyst for healing. Where we didn't have to hide who we really are. And if we strayed into sin, that pretty quickly that we'd be lovingly brought back into the beauty of Jesus and his church. This is what we all long for. Heck, it's what the entire world longs for is a spiritual family that loves us enough to be those spiritual rumble strips in our life. And so first, a movie, and then next, a song. In Frozen, there's lots of good songs. You know, There's the one about the happy snowman, which I think is my favorite. I love Olaf. It's the man. But probably the most famous of all the songs is what? Let it go, let it go. Come on, you know it? <laughs> you can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Come on! Come on. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never. Come on. Well done. Well done. I'm going to applaud you guys. So we had a run through with the staff, and I did that all by myself because they did not join in. And they asked me afterwards, they're like, are you really going to do that, like, in the service? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. But we did it. The context of that song, though, is that Elsa has run away from home. And that she has this power that she's been hiding for so long. But up on top of the mountain, uh, that Elsa is able to express everything she has in her. She's like, I don't have to hide anymore. I have this power. I can just make ice stuff everywhere. And it's this ice castle that's massive and beautiful, and it's amazing. Yet it ends up isolating her from her closest people and ends up hurting Anna, the one person that she loves in life. And this is the cultural air we breathe right now. It's, hey, you do you. You express everything that's on the inside of you, and that's how you'll be a flourishing human being. And they have this line in the song. It's at the end of the song. It says, no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go. This is called, you've heard of this, I'm sure, it's called expressive individualism. It's pretty much where that I believe human flourishing happens as I express everything that's inside of me. And anybody that tries to uh, hinder that expression, if it's my parents, if it's my family, if it's my country, if it's my church, is viewed as oppressive. Yet, just like in the movie, as we express everything that's on the inside of us, it actually ends up isolating ourselves and hurting those closest to us. As we do this too, that it repositions the, the moral authority in our lives from onto God and it switches it inside of us. It says, truth is not found in external, absolute reality. Truth is found on the inside of me. It's my truth. It's just like in the song. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Let it go. Let it go. Uh, I've used this analogy before, but I think it helps explain this a little bit. It's my sweet little girl, Evelyn is like in that three-year-old, fa- almost three-year-old phase right now, like where she does not want to hold daddy's hand anywhere. And I'm oftentimes like, hey, baby, we're in a parking lot. There's crazy people driving really fast in here. So you got to hold my hand and we have uh, to walk inside into the store. And oftentimes like, she looks at me like, dad, you're so oppressive. Like, I cannot believe you are going to make me hold your hand right now. And she kind of snarls a little bit. Love this age. But this is oftentimes what we do also with God. I was like, God, you're claiming I need to do this, but I want to do this. Except true freedom for her in the moment is not the freedom to get run over by a car. True freedom for her is I trust my good father's good, perfect, and pleasing will, and I'm going to stay right next to him and hold his hand. And as her father, true love is not, yeah, girl, you do you, boo-boo. True love is, hold my hand, sweetheart. I love you too much to let you get hurt. Even if she gets mad, I love her too much. I'm going to be those spiritual kind of rumble strips in our life of, hey, this is the path. And so, what happens when we reposition truth inside of us, away from God and His Word and absolute truth and inside of us, is that we wander from the way of Jesus. Just like in this verse, we wander from the truth about Jesus. And so this can look a few different ways. One is that we just wander from the church. Yet another thing is that we can wander into sin in general. I mean, this could be intentional, or it could just be unintentional. It could be, hey, in COVID, like, things just got busy, bro. Like, I was in church, I was doing this thing, but then through COVID, like, I was at home, and... And I was watching church in my PJs and had my good cup of coffee come on somebody. And it was just comfortable. And so then church started opening back up. And it's it's just been three years. And I just kind of drifted into not coming or watching anymore. Or it could be that I was genuinely hurt by somebody in the church. Here's what we all need to know is that we all broken. I don't care how Christian you are, how long you've been coming, like we all have flaws and we all are going to do things that are going to make other people mad. Welcome to church. Right? Except there's times where actually people get hurt by people in the church. Or that they have in their minds they got hurt and it really wasn't meant that way, but it was just an offense. Or it could be that a person was Preaching, it's probably me, who spoke something you didn't like, and you're like, nah, I'm done with that place. This happens often. Or it could be for political reasons, financial reasons, or it may just be I wanted my sin more than I wanted Jesus. But here's what James closes the entire book with Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from what? Yeah, from death. It's from death. All through Scripture, sin leads to death. That is true. And I love this quote from uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a pastor uh, that when Hitler was reigning. He pastored in Germany. Just has a crazy story. If you've never heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, highly recommend his stuff. But here's his quote. He says this. Nothing could be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. And then he goes on. Nothing could be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back to the path of sin. From the path of sin. And do you see what he's saying there? Is that, hey, if sin leads to death, if wandering from the truth leads to harm in that person's life, the most unloving thing we could do is say, ain't my problem. You do you, boo-boo. Boo. But actually, the most loving and compassionate thing we could do is gently and kindly act like those spiritual rumble strips on the side of the highway and say, hey, listen, I just love you so much. I, 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 I just want to point this out. And yeah, it's going to be awkward sometimes because this is uncommon. Yet this is God's plan for church. This is God's plan for life groups. This is God's plan for how to do spiritual family. And so, it's a movie, Frozen. It's a song, Let It Go. And then lastly, an act of true love. And so what happens at the end of the movie is that Anna, uh, there's a huge blizzard happening and uh that the only way the curse can be broken of all the frozenness, all the ice, all the snow, is an act of true love. It's the best. And so uh, the Anna is is really impacted with all the snow, all the blizzard and stuff, and is actually t- t- turning into ice. And uh, the Elsa... Um, eventually comes back home and is trying to get there to break the curse, except it's going to take an act of true love. And Anna has another love interest at this point, Kristoff. Anybody love Kristoff up in here? Yep, Kristoff is the man. He has a reindeer. I think it's a reindeer. Is it a reindeer? Sven, hilarious character, love it so much, but he's on the way back, and that sweet princess Anna is on. Uh, This ice covered lake, and Kristoff is running towards her. And uh, that she has a choice to make at this point. Because as she walks towards Kristoff, and she's like, This is the act of true love. He's gonna come, he's gonna kiss me, the curse is gonna be broken, things are gonna go back to normal. Except right about that time that she looks over, and Princess Elsa is out there on the ice, and evil Hans is about to murder her. And so here, this moment that she has a choice to make, it's either that I have Kristoff, the curse is broken, and I'm okay except Elsa dies, or that I can run over and throw myself in front of the sword and Elsa will be saved. And so she heads over there and right as Hans is raising the sword, she hops in front of it and saves her sister. And it's hard at this point in the movie because you're like, okay, but what about the curse? Like what about the kiss from the prince? Like what's gonna happen? There's still a storm. But what ends up happening is that this is the act of true love that actually breaks the curse in the land. And so Anna and Elsa are saved. And everything turns beautiful. It's a cool movie. That's the sweet thing about being a parent, too, is you're like, these movies are terrible. But then you get pulled in, you're like, actually, they're pretty dope. I, I, I kind of <laughs> like it, but I'll never tell my daughter that. And this is exactly what James is trying to get at here in this passage. It's an act of true love. It's how you can bring a person back. He closes... Uh, the whole book, and he says this, and if you will go and pursue the wanderer, this will cover a multitude of sins. James is calling you and I to lay down our lives for the good of one another. James is calling you and I to, to sacrifice ourselves almost in order that true love can be expressed because love covers a multitude of sins but the question is this oftentimes it's like okay great i'm encouraged but how do we do this it's like this is i don't really know how or this is encouraging chris i love the movie i love the frozen analogies pretty catchy i i, I dig it but how do we actually do this. How do we pursue the wanderer? And I think there's a great analogy I heard from another pastor one time that helps illustrate this. But uh, the pastor lives in Vegas. Great place to plant a church, by the way. And uh, he has a friend out who's uh, you know, spending time with him. I think he's gonna preach for him the next day and that they uh, you eat some food I and mean, then they're gonna go to a show. And so they're you know kind of eating, hanging out, having fun and they hop up from their table, and they start walking down the road in order to go see this uh, you know, kind of show, performance. And as they're walking, his friend pukes right in the middle of uh, the sidewalk there, and just keeps walking. He's like, are we good, bro? Like, you just puked up all your pizza right there on, on the sidewalk, you good? He's like, no, I feel so much better. Like, let's just go to the show. I think I'm good. And they keep walking. And about 80 steps later or so, he's like, bro, actually, mm, I'm really not feeling so good. I think I should probably go back to the hotel. So he's like, dude, there's no problem at all. He turns around, and right about that time, three ladies are heading right for the mess, right for the pile of puke. And it's one of those moments where you're like, Hey, like there's puke except you're like 80 steps away, right? So it's kind of far and you kind of want to see what's going to happen. <laughs> and so these three ladies are just having the time of their lives, right? Like they're just laughing and giggling and talking and telling stories. They got their earrings and their hair all done up. It's just one of those moments where they're just having so much fun and they're not paying any attention to what's coming in front of them and the sweet lady in the middle hits this thing full stride her feet fly up into the air and she lands right in the mess it's like warm in her back you know like she can feel it (laughs) I'll stop I'll stop I promise (laughs) it's a worse it's worse than you think But right in that moment what happened next is probably one of the most beautiful pictures of what we're talking about here that I've ever heard. That her friends who were with her, if I'm them, I'm just going to keep walking. It's like you just man you do you boo boo I'm a, I'm a go. But her friends reached into the mess. Their hands got really gross and nasty, covered in puke even. And they lifted their friend up. Love covers a multitude of sins. They didn't scream at her and say, do you know how many times you've fallen in this puke? they didn't say, ooh, you know what that is? That's nasty. They just reached into the mess and pulled their friend up. This is what this looks like. So a few practical how-tos. These are the words of Jesus. He explains this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, you take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So first, we have to look inward. How weird would it be if uh, the lady that's laying in the puke points out puke on one of their hands or shoes, her friends, and says, "Ooh, you need to clean that. It's like, hey, sister, you are swimming in puke right now. I don't know why you're criticizing me, right? So first we have to be like, hey, is there anything in my life or heart that has led me away from Jesus? And then next are the words of Paul. He says this, all my brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. And so he's explaining here that how we do this is gently. It isn't arrogantly. It's not screaming at him. I can't believe you have puke all. It's it's hey, I I love you, sister. I I love you, brother. I want to help. And then lastly, the words of Jesus again that has some very clear action steps. He says this uh, that. But if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. I want to stop right there. It's not at a prayer meeting. Say, all right, I just want to pray for Becky. I heard she's been sinning. You don't do that. It's hey, one-on-one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you and say, hey, listen, I love you. I've been observing this. I want to gently restore you if you'd have me so first it's one-on-one and then it says this if they listen to you you have won them over but if they will not listen then you take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses okay so it's it's one-on-one and then a few more it isn't gossip it's not I'm telling everybody about what's going on with Becky it's no 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 hey one or two others let's 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 have this conversation let's pray for them let's encourage them let's try to win them over and then he says this if they still refuse to listen then you tell it to the church then you get a pastor involved the staff is not mandated to be in every single one of these types of conversations we are the body of Christ you can hold each other accountable. And if you have the conversation one-on-one, if you bring some friends in, then you tell it to the pastor and say, hey, listen, I need some help on this one. They're not responding. And then after that, if they still refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, an unbeliever. I love uh, the scripture that's in Proverbs. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend. If you have a friendship with somebody and they call you out on some stuff, trust those wounds. They love you. It's out of love. And also, lastly, this is a process. It oftentimes is not a one-time conversation. It oftentimes isn't like, all right, I prayed one prayer and I had one little text message to this person inviting them back. No, it's, it's a process. And over the course of this time, you leave room for the Holy Spirit to do His work on them. Walk with them over the long haul. Spend time with them. Have coffee with them. And help them to get the help that they need. And so what do we do? With 40 million people who have left the church, what do we do with that? Is it our responsibility? And James is going to say yes. That love compels us to pursue the wanderer. I mean, obviously the greatest example of this is Jesus. He left the comforts of heaven in order to come here to earth and to pay the penalty for our sin. He laid down his life in order that you and I can have the curse broken in our lives and flourishing can rush into our hearts. He was crucified on a criminal's cross, put in a tomb, rose from the grave on the third day, and through that gospel, he broke the curse of sin in your life and in mine. And so last, I want to close with this quote. The exact same people that did the study that I referenced earlier ultimately found that over half of the people who have walked away from church are planning eventually to come back one day. Over half of them. Explains that 18% are very willing and over 30% are somewhat willing. And so here's the translation. Half of the people who have left aren't mad at God or mad at the church or mad at anything. They just kind of drifted away. And if you or I invited them back, they'd probably come. Over half of the people are very willing or pretty willing to come back. And so here's the question that I want to close with is, who's your one? Who's your one? Who's that one person in your life who was here but isn't here anymore? Who was in your home group yet isn't in your life group anymore? That you hung out with them and you worshiped with them and you served with them, but they've just drifted away. And here's my challenge to every single one who's hearing my voice. Ask them to come with you next week. Reach out one more time. Pray for them this week and just say, hey, listen, I'd love to hang out with you on Sunday. How about we go to church and then we get a cup of coffee or we go to lunch afterwards? How wild would it be if all 800 or so of us invited a person here with us next week? Be 1,600 people at church. It would be unbelievable. And over half of the people who have walked away are willing to come back. And so let's pray real quick, and then I want to go into uh, communion. Heavenly Father, I pray that you do what only you can do in our hearts and lives right now. I pray that for all of us, that you would put a name on our heart of a person who was here, but isn't here anymore who has walked away from the church and possibly even walked away from You. And I pray, God, that You would make this spiritual family, this church, a spiritual family where we hold each other accountable and are gentle and loving, yet also truth-filled. And God, I pray right now, you put people on our hearts, and empower us to reach out to them. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, VineyardWheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.